You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily podcast on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Buckeyes fans? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Buckeyes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, October the 13th, the year 2020, one day closer to the kickoff of the 2020 Ohio State football season. I can't wait. You can't wait. The closer we get to that date, the more goosebumps maybe or the more juiced up we get. Oh, man, I wish it was today because I can't wait for the season to get started. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBuckeyes. Send all the emails to LockedOnBuckeyes at gmail.com. You can always listen to Locked On Buckeyes on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your fine podcast. And when you find the listening platform of your choice, Subscribe, rate, and review. Do everything that that platform allows you to so more people can enjoy your daily podcast on your Ohio State Buckeyes just like you do. Lined up for today, we will talk about, like I mentioned yesterday, we will have a little film session, just a little, just a few notes from re-watching the Ohio State and Clemson game, the last game of the season last year, just some things we can learn from that game. I got a few bullet points written down. Trey Sermon had an interview with the Big Ten Network, got a few nuggets from that we'll discuss as well. But we will start today's show discussing the schedule notes. And if you're anything like me, anytime you hear about a matchup or you hear about a network getting a certain game, you first thing you want to know is who is on the broadcast, who is calling that game? Is it Fowler and Herb Street? Is it Gus and Joel? Do we get a little Joey Test action or do we get a little Sean McDonough? Who do we get calling the game? I'm a big Bob Wischusen fan, but I'm not sure if he'll call many Ohio State Buckeye games this year just because of the amount of the magnitude and the uh, buzz that those games get. We already had heard about Ohio State Nebraska being the big noon kickoff game to kick off the season. That came out shortly after, honestly, before it was confirmed by the network, I believe. I believe Joel Clyde actually tweeted that out, that he said, big noon kickoff will be at Ohio State, Nebraska. That was shortly after the Big Ten schedule was released. Well, we've also been updated and learned that Ohio State versus that team up north, the very last game of the season, will also be on Fox. And my guess is that'll be a Gus and Joel game once again. Gus Johnson, Joel Clatt, the number one team there uh, for Fox. That was expected. Uh, I've looked into this. I've, I've actually watched interviews, listened to interviews about this. Uh, a little bit of my nerd sense coming out when it comes to broadcasting. Networks, they have kind of a tier system. ESPN, Fox, uh, sometimes CBS gets in that as well. They have a tier system. Whoever is number one for that particular week with that conference will pick the game that they will broadcast. And since the Big Ten, uh, since the Fox has Big Ten rights, Fox generally, most of the time, will be the first to pick that particular game that week at the end of the season. Ohio State versus that team up north. They have gotten that game for the past few years. I believe the last time that ESPN or ABC got that game where Herb Street and Fowler were on the call was the Curtis Samuel year when Curtis Samuel ran that ball in for the touchdown, the game ceiling touch, the game ceiling game winning touchdown on the left side of the end zone. I believe that was the last time the ESPN or ABC got that call. So we all, I love Gus and Joel. I know a lot of Ohio State Buckeye fans like yourself love Gus and Joel. You and a lot of you are probably hoping that Herb Street and Fowler do not get that game at the end of the season. I personally have no beef. 
had no issue with Fowler or Herbstreet calling that game. I love Herbie. I've grown up on Herbie, grown up on Fowler in a different sense. I honestly, don't ask me how this is true. I had no idea Fowler was a play-by-play man for college football. I knew he did tennis, but when he once he got the lead role, once Britt Musburger got put to the SEC network, which I still think I don't, which I still didn't like that rule. That was kind of them pushing him to the back burner, which ultimately led to him retiring for or not calling games anymore for ESPN, going to his own network, Vsin, and then doing stuff for the Oakland Raiders there in Vegas where he now lives. So I didn't really like that move there for him going from uh, pushing him away, push them pushing um, Musburger away. I really wish we could have had more Brent Musburger on just because, I mean, I, I like him a lot. And I, wanna, I want people calling the games that I enjoy listening to. But Herbie and Fowler, not on, the, not on the first game of the year, not on the last game of the year. My personal guess, I was going to go out on a limb on this one. Week number two against Penn State over there in Happy Valley, That'll be an ABC, uh, college football on ABC primetime matchup with Fowler and Herbie on the call on that one. That hasn't been confirmed yet. They normally are letting that out, letting that news get out the day of game day or the week before. Seven days before, they will announce where game day will be the next week. And with COVID precautions and travel uh, restrictions as far as Herbie being able to do game day in one spot and then fly to the next location of the game that night, they are probably going to allow Herbie to just make Happy Valley a game day's location that day, and then also uh, have Herbie and Fowler call that game that night. Some other news and notes as far as around the Big Ten, they have also announced where every every time slot and every network for the rest of the Big Ten, Big Ten games for week number one. The Big Ten gets the Big Ten season gets kicked off on October the 23rd at 8 p.m. Eastern. That is Illinois versus Wisconsin, uh, 8 p.m. Uh, kickoff. On the Big Ten Network, already stated that Ohio State, I'm sure you know, Ohio State, Nebraska, on Fox, 12 noon, then on the 24th. And the rest of the Big Ten goes as follows. Rutgers at Michigan State, 12 o'clock noon on Big Ten Network. Penn State at Indiana, 3.30 p.m. kick on FS1. Iowa versus Purdue, 3.30 p.m. kick on the Big Ten Network. That team up north versus Minnesota, that is currently number 19 versus number 24. That is a 7.30 p.m. kick on ABC. And then Maryland versus Northwestern uh, to round out the first weekend of the Big Ten schedule. 7.30 p.m. kick on the Big Ten Network. If you're anything like me, I, I say that statement a lot, but the closer we get, and as you watch other schools play, you're thinking, oh, Georgia, Stetson Bennett at quarterback? Uh, we're better than you. We got Justin Fields. Alabama, y'all look good, but we still think we can beat you. Clemson, Trevor Lawrence, we want revenge. Florida, Kyle Trask, okay, you can be okay now. You just lost in Kyle Field. Um, we can beat you as well. And you start looking up and down the list of those in the top ten or maybe they're just the top five, and you're like, we can beat you. Uh, we can beat you. We got some question marks over here on defense, but we can beat you. Uh, we can beat you. And you're just, you're just literally pointing every single week. We got a way to beat you. We have a way to beat you. You don't have a way to beat us. Just let us go to the field, put up these style points, win every game, and just walk all over the opponent. Now, I'm not saying every game is going to be a cakewalk, a little walk in the park. However, we know, you know, the country knows the kind of talent that Ohio State has on offense and on defense, not just in the not just uh on the one deep on the depth chart, but on the two deep on the depth chart. Everybody knows the kind of 
players, the kind of talent that Ohio State has, and many of them do not want to play Ohio State at all. But at some point, they probably will, and I cannot wait till that day comes out. Coming up next, we will talk about those notes that I had from re-watching the Ohio State-Clemson game. But first, I want to tell you about my friends at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly, see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. We all like that. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? This is a no-brainer, guys. RockAuto.com has you covered. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Some of the toughest lessons that we learn either in sports, on the field, as a coach, as a parent, as an employee, um, whatever area that it is. Some of the toughest lessons that we learn are lessons that we learn from losses. Those abnormal, those weird feelings that we get at the end of an event. Well, at the end of the Fiesta Bowl last year, many of us, if you were like me, you were not happy with the performance that Ohio State had. You would have loved to just duplicate and have what we saw in the first quarter be what we saw in quarters two, three, and four. However, there were some unfortunate calls. There were some things that you can't get over. There were some plays that you want to get back. There were some good plays that you would want to duplicate and replicate and have those go over and over and over again. We would love to have back that J.K. Dobbins catch that he dropped, I believe, within the first quarter that would put the Buckeyes up 17-0 in the first quarter. Instead, it was another red zone trip with three points instead of seven. So I got a few notes here. I'm not going to go super, super, super in-depth with what the Buckeyes did wrong. I'm sure many of us have replayed that game over and over and over, or some of you may have been like me and rewatched that game. Um, there's always notes, and I am, I am the guy that will go back and rewatch games to learn things from them or to enjoy them. And when I watch this game, it's not a, it's not a sense of enjoyment, only if I was re-watching the first quarter, because that seemed like it was, no, it was, the highlight and the best quarter that Ohio State had. And if you had a way to dream or predict how the first quarter, how the game would start, that would be it. Literally, that would be it. Take away from some of those red zone, uh, not scoring touchdowns instead of getting field goals. You would change that. 
But ultimately, the way that Ohio State started the game should have been the way that Ohio State finished the game. And when I noticed that Ohio State's offense, let's start there. When the Ohio State offense in that game came out, it was a bunch of quick passes, quick decisions, not allowing Justin Fields to sit back in the pocket and to allow the Clemson defense and secondary to really get into their spots after two seconds after the snap to allow them to figure out the route or to follow the defender or to read the defender or to allow the, the safeties to roam in the way that they did. It seemed like, and it happened, not seemed like, it actually happened. Once, once Justin Fields went away and the offense went away from the quick decisions, either the RPOs, or the just regular read options, or the passes, the quick passes that went out to either uh, uh, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or Benjamin Victor or Austin Mack or those receivers that were out there, Jeremy Rucker, that were out there just catching passes that were playing out of their mind, playing the best game of their season, of their careers. Once Justin Fields went away from quick decisions, quick passes, not really sitting back and letting the defense get developed, the very decisive offensive approach that we saw from the beginning, the tempo that I heard Fowler and Herbstreet talk about over and over and over again. Once the offense went away, went from, went away from the tempo aspect, went away from the up-tempo, not allowing Clemson to substitute, not allowing Clemson to read and to figure out what was going on, the motions back and forth to figure out what was going on with the defense and to get the pre-snap read that Fields needed. Once that went away, Clemson was like, oh, you guys are going to change the defense, the, the approach up for us? Y'all already had us our backs against the wall. You already had us on the ropes. Y'all already had us in a way that Brent Venables couldn't figure out what was going on. And normally when he's the aggressor, um, he was not the aggressor at that point because he couldn't figure out what the approach was that Ohio State was doing. Yeah, you guys took away what your bread and butter was. You guys went back on what you guys practiced. You guys changed the approach, and you doing that aided us and allowed us to be the aggressor, to have Justin Fields make long runs. We want to get to that in a second. To allow Travis Etienne to get in open space. To allow the defense to make plays over and over and over again. To allow linebackers to guard guys that they shouldn't be able to guard. Why? Because you change your approach. Keep the same approach. Up tempo the entire time. Don't change it. It's your bread and butter. It's what works for you. Don't change what works for you because times get rough. Keep doing what works. Makes the defense change up. Don't allow the defense to change you. Now, another thing was also the open field tackling, the missed tackles, uh, players lunging, players doing arm tackles, not getting their body into it, all of that stuff. I mean, we see it over and over. But as you rewatch the game, I think it was early in the, not first quarter, it must have been second quarter. Travis Etienne right side of the line, got a handoff right from Trevor, from Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I forget who the defender was, but it seemed like uh, Travis Etienne or the defender were kind of locking hands and covering, covering each other. Uh, Travis Etienne was trying to do a sniff arm. The other, the other, the linebacker, <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but he was, uh, he pushed him. They pushed each other, and by the hands pushing each other, Travis Etienne got the better of the leverage, pushed the linebacker, the defender, to the right side of the field. Travis Etienne was almost like he's running through a gauntlet. There was one defender, one defender, on in three levels of that, going into the end zone from probably the eight to the three or two-yard line going into the end zone. What was like he's running through a gauntlet? Nobody wrapped up. Nobody tackled. Nobody acted like they wanted to hit the man. He ran to the end zone. And they were Herbie and Fowler were 
alluding to and praising the elusiveness, the quickness, the swiftness, the ability that Travis Etienne has, has, has to allow people to miss tackles in space. Guys, forget Travis Etienne and whatever skill set he has. If you have five, six, seven guys around a linebacker that are at the caliber of uh, Pete Werner, uh, Tuff Borland, uh, Brandon Browning, uh, if you have guys like that in the secondary or out there in the second level ready to tackle this gentleman, there is no excuse at all for him to get through that. None at all. But you saw it not just in the second quarter. You saw it on Travis, uh, Trevor Lawrence's long run. You saw it late in the second half as well. Poor tackling derailed that game. You can still have the... Uh, uh, the fu- the fu- not not called fumble in the second half. You could all you could also have Sean Wade targeting that many people still don't like. You can still have all of those things there. If Ohio State just tackles, if Ohio State just wraps up the way they have been taught since they were little kids, what happened in the second half? The same penalties, same calls, probably wouldn't have all the same weight. Because once you tackle, once you once you're the aggressor, once you're being more physical and you keep that up. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter. By the fourth quarter, that team winds down, wears down, and they are not as uh, willing to hit you once they've getting, been, hit, been hit repeatedly over and over and over and over again. And quickly, lastly, there's more. I mean, my notebook, when I write down, I handwrite all of my notes when I watch games. It's a bunch of chicken scratch. But one thing that I love from what I saw from Pete Warner once he was in the box, he seems very, very comfortable. And we had talked about this previously with Pete Warner's new position with them moving from the Sam to the Will. Uh, also, a little side note, coming up this Thursday and Friday, we have Ryan Roberts, uh, Director of Scouting for NFL Draft Bible, coming on to talk about some notes that he has about Ohio State Buckeye draft eligible players in the 2021 draft. Um, he will talk about uh, offense and defense and Pete Werner and linebacker and how he viewed, how he thinks about him, how he views him as, as a draft prospect coming up at the at the latter part of the week. You will not want to miss that. On a feel-good Friday on Friday, we have tons of fun. And trust me, you will not want to miss that at all. But what you saw, and as I, as I alluded to as well when I was talking about Pete Warner moving from the sand to the will, Pete Warner excels when he's in the box, when he's, when he's, in, the, when he's in, the, uh, in the trenches, when he's with the big boys. Even though he is... He's going to give up 50, 60 pounds to many of the guys that are blocking him. It still allows him to utilize his leverage, utilize him being a low man, and utilize where he is most comfortable on the field. In the box, with the big boys, getting dirty, not afraid to hit, not afraid to uh, make the tough and dirty plays, not afraid to do the things that many other people do not want to do. I truly believe, not just from reading and and remembering what I've I've seen from uh, Pete Warner once he's in the box, but once he's there, once... He gets acclimated game speed at that level. I truly, truly, truly believe we'll see Pete Warner take another level, take another step up this season. A step that many people that have been very, very critical of Pete Warner uh, didn't believe that he could do. I think taking him outside of the uh, outside the box and in space and putting him more in the box and in the middle, that's going to be his expertise, and we'll be able to see why he's why he is so excited to be back in this spot here with the Buckeyes. Before we get to the notes we have from from Trey Sermon in his uh, interview with the Big Ten Network, we have a word from Built Bar. We have all heard about them before. We all work out. We're all looking for that perfect protein 
Built Bar has you covered. They're not just great for the health conscious guy, but they but they will help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. Also with the purchase, you get a free cooler. Now, like I have mentioned, with this cooler, there's no tailgating, but you can still save this for a day next season when tailgating is still a thing. That's only available while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, that is L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Rick Pizzo of the Big Ten Network recently had the opportunity to sit down, I believe via Zoom, and interview Trey Sermon, grad transfer from Oklahoma to Ohio State. And he wanted to discuss a lot of just the transfer thoughts going through Sermon's head about uh, a new situation, a new, a new environment it, it, during an abnormal time period in life. And Trey Sermon, a lot of his responses, smile on his face, happy kid. I'll, I will actually tweet out the interview. It's a, You can watch it on YouTube, but I'll tweet it out at Locked One Buckeye. You can go there, follow it, uh, see that interview there. About four, four and a half minutes long, not very long. And you can watch that thing yourself. Because there's so much there that I can't pinpoint here, but I'm sure a lot of you will want to watch that and just see uh, Trey Sermon's d- demeanor, uh, how, how he looks, his smile, or his frown, or his facial expressions, all of that stuff. You can go there and follow that uh, and see that interview there. But in the interview, one of the first things that uh, Rick Pizzo Ask not the very first thing, but one of the first things that Rick Pizzo asked was, what was his response after Red River, after he watched his former team, Oklahoma, squeak out a win over Texas there in, da- in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl? Well, Trey Sermon said he was very, very uh, happy for his old teammates. He did, he did talk to them after the game just to see, just to tell them how happy he was for them and that the Sooners were victorious over the Longhorns once again in that matchup. Wild, crazy ride that that was on Saturday afternoon. I'm sure many of you possibly watched that as it did help us kick off a phenomenal weekend in college football that very, very soon Ohio State will be a part of. Rick Pizzo also asked Trey, he was asking him about what his approach would be to playing in front of an empty Ohio Stadium. Because as many of you that have been there or many of us that have watched games there in Ohio Stadium, once you're in there, that environment is different. Once you're in there, it feels like an an out-of-body experience. You're there with 100,000 strong, rooting on the Buckeyes, O-H-I-O, all around the stadium. And as a player, I bet, I, I, I bet, you're down there, you're warming up, as the stadium fills up, you get those goosebumps, you get those juices, you get those uh, butterflies in your stomach. You're like, hold on, baby. Hold on, baby. Is this real life? Are we really, is this, are we dreaming or is this reality? What is going on? And I am sure Trey Sermon, part of the reason that he went to Ohio State wasn't just because of the football program, but probably the tradition of the fans and the ability that the fans are just like Sooners fans, or maybe just uh, just a little bit wilder, uh, a little bit better uh, than them. Because well, Buckeyes are better than Sooners. I'll go out and say it. You'll probably you'll probably say it if I don't. Buckeyes are better than Sooners, and he is a little worried about that transition while playing in front of an empty Ohio Stadium. But at the same time, he is trying to stay positive throughout the entire approach. Not just him, but you, we hear Ryan Day, Justin Fields, Jonathan Cooper, all of the leaders of the team. They're taking the same approach. Just try to stay positive. Try to keep a smile on your face. Do what is needed to stay better than the average person because if you start frowning, if Justin Fields frowns and he turns around, Trey Sermon's behind him and Master Teague's behind him and Alave and Wilson and the other players, Ruckert and Farrell, and 
all of these players, if one person frowns as a leader and they're not as positive, they're not saying, hey, we got them. So if they're not staying uh, a positive with a smile, um, a go-get-it attitude, that's a trickle-down trickle effect, a domino effect. And I don't know if you want it. I don't want it. I don't believe that will be the perfect thing for this team at this point in time. He was, he was also asking, I was pretty impressed and maybe taken back by his response, but not really totally shocked. But he was also asked, what was the dynamic or what were the differences between Ohio State and Oklahoma? We all, we all see how Oklahoma is playing now and how they have played over the past few years and it's Big 12 defenses and Big 12, once they get to the playoff, they don't do anything. And everybody is wondering, what would Trey Sermon say about Oklahoma and Ohio State? What are the differences? And honestly, his response made a lot of sense. He said that there's not many differences. The culture there, the winning, the winning mentality, it's the same way there as it is at Ohio State. Now, maybe, which I do believe this, this is true, this isn't a maybe, Ohio State has done a better job over the past few years at developing talent than Oklahoma has. Oklahoma can recruit the same talent that Ohio State has. What you have down there in Oklahoma and in Texas, some of the top talent in the country, Ohio State can get players in Ohio, can get players in Florida, can get any player they want to, but they can get the same caliber of athlete. Oklahoma, Texas, who Oklahoma recruits very, very hard, they're just as they ha they have the same kind of talent. But what you do in the development room, in the film room, in the weight room, on the field during walkthroughs or or in drills, and as I talked about in the last segment, tackling, which Ryan Day has said is a big focal point, a big key of this team right now. What you're finding there is is this: Ohio State is at some times in recruiting, just like Oklahoma, at some times just like Oklahoma in some ways. But Ohio State in the coaching and in the development realm room has been superior over Oklahoma for quite some time. There was a time period in my life that Oklahoma and Ohio State, the level of play, Oklahoma was a high ahead of Ohio State. I am not ashamed to say that. Like I told you, I'll, I'm going to keep it real with you every time we meet. But over the years, Urban got there. Then also Ryan Day's take it get to another level, I believe. Guys, what we have right now is special. And I believe that's part of the reason why Trey Sermon decided to come into Ohio State over, over going anywhere else in the country. He also talked about the running back tradition. Uh, him and Master Teague have talked about it. And they are confident in being able to carry on the tradition, the running back tradition there at Ohio State. Also, when talking about, let's backtrack a little bit. I talked about playing at, at Ohio Stadium. This answer came a little bit later in the interview. But he was also asked about how the team is going to be able to handle everything with there being an empty stadium. It was a little odd that he asked a stadium question early on and a stadium question towards a latter part of the interview, but questions are written down. You get to fill the interview and things come as you see fit. But one thing Trey Sermon said was you have to create your own energy. And if you're, and if you watch BYU versus Davey, I believe it was week one or week one, week zero, whatever weird schedule that the college football season has this year. Week one, I believe was uh, Herbie and I think Reese Davis on the call of that game. And you could tell, we just saw Navy, they were, they did not hit before that game, and it showed, but the players from the BYU, the BYU Cougars, one thing they did do throughout the entire game was create their own energy. Be the player on the field that they needed to be without any fans in the stands. And in that game, you could tell the, woo, ha, 
I mean, you, you could tell, you could hear all the stuff. Ooh, I like that, baby. I mean, you could hear all of that stuff the entire game. Do it again. He can't stop you. He can't block you. I mean, he you heard all of that stuff during the game. And I had to back away from the mic a little bit because I realized my, my voice does project very well. And if I go... If I go, woo, too close to the mic, it's going to bust your eardrums for those of you at the gym. We do not want that to happen. But expect some things against Nebraska. One, for the players to be up for the game and ready for the challenge. Two, for them to create their own energy. You know how it is in practice. Those of us that have played football before, you're there in practice. A couple good plays. Y'all getting excited. Y'all cheering. Y'all hyping each other up. Old boy come from the from the on the field at the interception to the sidelines. Y'all hit y'all hit you're hitting the homie on the head and y'all are excited, hyping him up. You know how it is when your boy gets a new girl and you start to hype him up in your own way. Hey man, she bad, bro. Woo-wee. Hey, you got your you got your good one. You know, you know how you do that stuff. That's the same way the players are gonna have to do this week, this year, this week, not just yet create their own energy. I'm excited to watch Trey Sermon's, Trey Sermon play. He also said this quickly about his playing style as a running back. He says his skill set. He's a dynamic running back. He can block. He can catch out of the backfield. And he has good vision. Buckeye fans, we should be very, very happy we have Trey Sermon and expect big things from him this season as well as Master Teague as they are the one-two thunder and lightning combo that will be phenomenal to watch this year as Ohio State Buckeyes. Thank you. This is a Tuesday edition of Locked on Buckeyes. Come back tomorrow on Wednesday. Remember, Thursday and Friday, Ryan Roberts from NFL Draft Bible will come on to talk about those draft eligible Buckeyes that we have on the squad. This is Jay Stevens. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. Send all the emails to LockedOnBuckeyes at gmail.com. Follow Locked On Buckeye on Twitter. I'm going to tweet out that video to Trey Sermon's interview, so you can check that out as well. This is Jay Stevens closing out another episode of Locked On Buckeyes. Me signing off. I will see you tomorrow morning.